Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Oh, man. Have you seen these helmets that the Bengals are debuting? Well, we haven't either, but we're excited to talk about it. And who better to talk about it than with Ben freaking Baby, the consummate pre- professional from ESPN himself. He is going to join myself, John Sheeran, and Daddy McDuke as we're going to break down the Bengals' alternate uniform reveal that's coming up soon. We might get into some Jesse Bates content. He didn't sign the franchise tag. He didn't sign the extension. How is that whole situation going to play out? And... What is going to happen with Deshaun Watson? We've kind of talked about that last week, but we're going to get in a member of Lockdown Browns to talk about that. All coming up right now on the Number One Bengals Podcast. Wow. What an intro, John. I loved it. Welcome to the Number One Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie McDuke. I'm joined as always by John Dolly Parton Sheeran. He's got the glitz, he's got the glamour, he's got the style. He's got a great heart, big heart. Loves helping people, and he's got that beautiful voice, of course. Jolene Sheeran, actually. Yeah. Yeah, John, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. Doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. So I heard to the grapevine that you have moved to a much more posh area, if you will. Kind of old news now, but yeah, thanks for finally acknowledging it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't want to give it away, because I know you have a lot of stalkers, but... I think they, they, a lot of them, John, they're like you. They're analytical and they're geo-wizards. So they probably would have hunted you down eventually. But, yeah, so I am really excited about this show. We have two incredible guests. I'm talking about Mr. Ben Baby of ESPN. And, of course, Garrett Bush of Locked On Browns. But first, we've got to talk about John. We've got to talk about Brinks.TV. Okay, because... Brinks.tv obviously broadcast this show with a lot more features, a lot more creatures, and they have a number of incredible podcasts of their own. And my favorite podcast, of course, is Conspiracy Now, as Courtney knows. And there's a, a really good show they had. I only, I only saw the first two hours of this one, John. But uh, it is about the, the moon being actually made of cheese. It's not just a nursery rhyme thing, John. It is a real conspiracy. And they say if you go back to ancient, uh, if you go back to ancient Urnfield culture, they say they were making a, a giant ball of cheese and they used too much skim milk and it floated to the sky. And uh, the great space race of the 60s or 50s and 60s was actually, it, it, it actually, was at the same time as uh, the rising prices in cheese. And now you have the billionaire space race as we have inflation and cheese prices rising as well. So they are trying to get this cheese ball back to earth. Fascinating podcast, fascinating theory. And it really makes you want to tune into Brinks.tv, John. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the Soviets were just lactose intolerant because they never got there. But maybe I'm just reading yeah. too much into it. Yeah, you probably are, John, because uh, you really have to listen to the podcast. It actually explains that part. But okay. also, we want you to share this podcast with your friends. Tell about them. Tell them about the podcast because it's probably the only free form of marketing that we have. And uh, I imagine there's a very a small demographic of people that can tolerate this podcast, and you probably know who they are. So do that. All right. Let us get right to my favorite guest of all time the greatest Bengals analyst and beat reporter of our era. I'm talking about Mr. Benjamin Baby. And uh, I will tell you this about Ben Baby. Hello, Mr. Baby. There he is. Hey, Daddy, how are you doing? First of all, the praise is far too kind. Secondly, if the moon was made of cheese, what cheese would we prefer? I think Gouda would be like, if I had to pick a yes. cheese, I'd probably go. Gouda, it's a very uh, complex cheese. It goes on a lot of things. And also, uh, if it was cheese country, 
what conference would it go to in college football? I would suggest it would be a prime candidate to be a Big Ten contender. You know, you look at it, the cheese centric areas of our country tend to field a lot of good offensive linemen, a lot of good Big Ten play. So could the moon be in contention to be a, the latest member of the Big Ten? I think that's a, a good conspiracy to have. I think we yeah, should discuss I, I, at some point in time. It, really, I'm glad that it looks like you've done the research. And I love that because I could see this going up on ESPN.com, your, your latest book, because it is the off season, And this is probably more newsworthy. A lot of stuff out there. But I would say this. Actually, Ben, if you were if you saw the show last week, we talked about all the pizza conspiracies out there. And these two, there is a, there's, a, there's a third conspiracy that combines them and says it's actually mozzarella cheese because the, the pizza people are trying to fund their own, whatever it is they're doing. And, uh, and yeah, so they are, they are trying to bring the mozzarella cheese home. But yeah, welcome to the show. And by the way, Ben Baby was on our show before he was a superstar. I mean, this man has taken off since the Bengals have taken off. I don't know if you've heard John. But he's been asked to do a lot of things now that I'm sure you're getting a lot more uh, clicks and, and views and, and attention and followers. And I've heard, tell me if it's true, that you've been asked to host Saturday Night Live, run for office, and a number of Kardashians have reached out to you. Which that was just these, last week. Yeah, that yeah, was just last week, Ben. Yeah, I think everybody's knocking on my door except for the folks at ESPN 1530. So uh, it's been great. Uh, but it's <laughs> well, probably been too far, but it's fine. We're all friends here. They're good people over there, but it's still the, the point still stands. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Ben. That was a good joke, and you don't have to worry about them ever hearing I don't think he was joking, yeah. but... I'm not joking, but it's fine. Yeah. Well, to be fair, they haven't asked me either, and I'm about four times your age. But look, Mr. Ben Baby... I have so much to ask you. Well, first of all, let me ask you, since we have a little bit of time in the opening here, did you see the maddening ratings for our Bengals player, Jamar Chase? John, what was he, not even a top 10 receiver or something? He's I mean, 87, man. An 87 overall for a man who's like a more complete Randy Moss. I mean, Ben, what's going on here? It's a good question. I think the Bengals might need to get in touch with uh, their old friend Chad Johnson, a.k.a. Ocho Cinco, to work out those Madden ratings. I, I think that I'm also now regretting that joke, so please let's not everyone get riled up over it because uh, I think it was actually a pretty good joke. And had a I'm already in Mo Egger's DMs, Ben. Oh, worry. God, please don't. It's fine. I'm like six down like Mo's list. Mo has – there's got to be like seven people who get sick, and then maybe like they'll flip a coin. It'll be you or I who go on Mo. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I like my odds with Tony or, or Austin Elmore. Uh, but anyways, that's beside the point for another day. Uh, you know, I think it's one of the interesting, it's been a very kind of boring offseason to a degree uh, when you look at it. And that's probably a good thing if you're a Bengals fan, you don't want a ton of drama. Uh, there's not a whole lot of unanswered questions about this team. But I think one of the the subtle undercurrents about the offseason are uh, kind of do the are the Bengals getting enough respect after coming off a Super Bowl run and and when you look at some of the Madden ratings when you look at uh, you know the the ratings for Trey Hendrickson for for Jamar Chase uh, some of the ones that have come out so far uh, Sam Hubbard uh, a lot of people are wondering why the Bengals aren't a little higher and I think you know whether you want to quibble about the ratings or not that's going to be an interesting point as we go through this offseason as we uh, approach the preseason, excuse me, and, and kind of seeing how the Bengals are perceived as they get into training camp. Yeah. I mean, really, it doesn't matter to us because the, it's not about having a chip on your shoulder. But, I mean, we we knew. Like, you remember last offseason, it was like Jamar Chase dropped a few. I mean, people, smart people like John, you know, they they knew what kind of prospect Jamar Chase was. And that didn't, the offseason didn't matter to them. And so these ratings mean nothing as well. But I want to get your take on something that does matter, which is the alternative helmets. The Bengals finally have the white helmets. And it seems appropriate because, yes, the, you know, the, the white tiger is a kind of albino kind of species of uh, form of the, let's say, Bengal tiger. But did you know? Mr. Ben Baby, that they're only one in 10,000 are these white tigers and that they're bred in Cincinnati and that they grow faster and heavier than the orange Bengal tiger. And our Bengals have grown, our young Bengals have grown faster and heavier than other players of their age and they have blossomed into these Super Bowl contenders. Seems appropriate. What do you think? 
I think so. You know, maybe if if that's the case, then maybe you know the the you could maybe find one of these tigers to go ahead and play defensive tackles because they might need some depth there uh, when you look at it. But I know that there's been a lot of hype about the helmets. I think when you look at some of the teams that have started to roll them out, Carolina, another one that's officially said when they're going to use them. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it's creative. I think it's a good way to sell more merchandise, to be quite honest. Uh, so that freedom, I think, should uh, increase a little more revenue uh, going into the season. But uh, I wonder if, you know, maybe would, would a white and black a flying bangle, would that be a bit too far? Would that be a bit over the edge? I feel like that would kind of be... Everybody uh, wants the leaping bangle. Yeah, everybody wants the leaping tiger. I, I have yet to meet the Bengals fan. By the way, we're going to have Emily Parker on the show in a couple of weeks. Again, it's the second appearance. Can you believe it? She came on the show, saw what it was like, and then said, you know what? I'm going to do that again. That's what I love about Emily Parker. She is, she is fearless. But I would say this. The merchandise you mentioned, you can see over my shoulder there, you can see I've already invested in the merchandise. Very expensive. You see I got the Hooday little doll there, Bengal Tiger. I did, yeah, but that, that is just because I am, of course, very happy about it. I, I think they looked odd with the white jerseys and the, the orange helmet. It was very confusing. But I, I think that a lot of stuff, a lot of bold moves have happened with the team overall, John, uh, since we got Burrow. Whether it was we talked last week, we had the DJ, they have the new DJ, they're changing the music, they're changing the, you know, uh, what is it? They have the, um, what is it, John? They have the crazy canopies and the, all that the stuff. A lot of crazy stuff. John. A lot of crazy stuff, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious about what Ben thinks. Like, Ben, do you, would you rather cover alternate uniforms as the biggest headline in the summer or maybe, I don't know, like a quarterback scandal or a quarterback holding out or maybe a quarterback competition around the division? I, I want to be very picky about what quarterback drama I would like to be covering. Uh, it's not all uh, enjoyable to cover, as, as some of my other colleagues have, have realized. But uh, I, I would say a quarterback competition like Pittsburgh's quarterback battle is probably a fun offseason storyline to look at who's going to be able to go out there. So, uh, but yeah, that would probably be uh, up my alley there. But yeah, I think, I, you know, going back to your point, actually, I think it is interesting. The Bengals have done a, a really good, I think Elizabeth Blackburn deserves a ton of credit for uh, really looking at kind of making this a more progressive franchise, you know, from a business standpoint, you look at what they've done uh, in terms of the new indoor practice facility, selling the naming rights yeah. to the practice field. And then that will probably, you know, we'll see if that leads to naming rights for the, uh, the indoor bubble as well. A new ring of honor candidates that are going to come out, new, new jerseys that were unveiled last season. So, you know, there are a lot of new things. And, and so, you know, there has been a lot of interesting stuff uh, to cover on that end while we fill some of the filler time between the end of the season and the start of training camp. Well, there, there was one big story of the offseason, one area where they could have actually spent real money, not the few thousand dollars it costs for the practice bubble, which, by the way, actually Walmart has a great deal on practice bubbles. I got one for my own yard, and they are only a few thousand dollars. But, Mr. Ben Baby, the big news is that Jesse Bates... Jesse Bates, did not get the deal he wanted. And you know, and John knows, that the real story is the guaranteed money, and they offered him, I just want to get the stats, $17 million guaranteed, along with a guaranteed parking spot. And that, you know, is a deal that Mike Brown said was very fair, but it's kind of laughable that they want to give him $4 million more than he would get under the tag in a, in a what four year deal john was a four i mean in today's day and age you guarantee at least the first two years right i mean it's just kind of disrespectful in terms of jesse bates it's like they want yeah go ahead yeah well, well i think it's interesting you know the bengals actually are a team that does not uh guarantee usually more than a year what they'll do is you know they'll and john can correct me uh if i'm wrong here but usually they'll have a big signing bonus and they'll just prorate that over the course of the deal uh, which is what they've done, you know, with contracts recently. You know, I have one agent tell you know, wonder if Joe Burrow is going to be the one who gets more money on that second year guaranteed uh, than, than he might be one of the only ones. And the franchise has been very hesitant to do that with even some of their big name players. But in terms of this Jesse Bates not getting an extension and kind of the the team's not team and Jesse not getting a deal done by the July 15th deadline, you know, this should shock absolutely nobody. When you look at what they've done going back to last training camp, you know, even then I, I you know, talking to somebody in the front office, it sounded like a franchise tag was going to make the most sense 
That was before Jesse Bates didn't play well throughout the regular season. Um, and that was before the Bengals drafted Dax Hill. So all these things, when you go back and look at it, I think the bigger question is, how much do the Bengals value a safety at that caliber? And it is expensive to pay a guy like Jesse what he's worth because I think he is one of the best safeties in the NFL. But you have to go back and when you look at it and the fact that the writing had been on the wall for several months, maybe the Bengals don't believe that position is worth that money. And when you look at it, the Bengals are going to have some offensive players they're going to have to pay as well. And they're not going to maybe – the cash flow won't be there to pay defensive guys when you look at having to pay T. Higgins, having to pay Jamar Chase, having to pay Joe Burrow. You're going to have a Logan Wilson extension that potentially is going to come up pretty soon. Uh, so, John, I'd love your thoughts on this as well because, in my mind, I feel like, you know, the Jesse Bates extension was never a reality when you look at kind of what they've done over the last – I would say going back last 12 months. Yeah, it doesn't – quite surprised me when you say that like the tag was kind of an inevitability after even before the regular season because like it, it didn't seem like they were ever really that close and you you would have to think that before last season is when the deal was most likely to get done because this, that was before the whole safety market kind of blew up the way it was and you know people look at the average annual value and that's the that's the number that people look at first but that's not really the full story is that you have guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, Justin Simmons, Jamal Adams they're raking in 35, 36, 37 million dollars in total guaranteed money and that was always going to be the thing that separates Bates and the Bengals from getting the deal done there was some rumor that the deal was closed but then Mulligata his agent kind of pulled the pulled the rug out of from under them but obviously any information that we're going to get from this is from the agent himself he's going to paint uh, his side in in a good way and paint, paint the Bengals to be cheap. At the, at the end of the day, 17 million. That would probably be there's there's a difference between like full guarantees and practical guarantees. And the Bengals like to deal in the practical guarantee world where they have that roster bonus either in year one or year two, which is basically it's practically guaranteed, right? It, it adds on into the full amount. Like with with AJ Green, like his full guarantee total for his contract was like 32 million, but only 15 of that was in the actual 100% fully guaranteed signing bonus money, and some other it was like a fifth year option, which is only the case for some first round picks. So with Bates, you're talking about probably like a $17 million signing bonus, 100% guaranteed money, and then maybe like a six or $7 million roster bonus, which in practical full guarantees is like 23, 24 million. And that's in line with what DJ Reader got. It's actually more than what Trey Hendrickson got. It's pretty close to what AJ Green got in terms of that realm of guaranteed money. So to me, it's not necessarily like a, a lack of value that they see in the safety position. It's almost like he's right in line with the other guys that they've gotten extensions with. It's just that Jesse Bates is that caliber of player that the Bengals don't normally go after or even entertain offering in free agency. Like no one ever believed that they were going after Taron Armstead or J.C. Jackson in the offseason. Those guys were going to get deals that were way out of the hemisphere where the Bengals usually operate. And I think Bates is just that caliber of player, or at least his representation believes him to be, which is why they're not even entertaining the offer that the Bengals were even considering. So this just seems like a partnership that's going to come to an end because Bates is just the kind of player that they don't typically go after. But like you said, Ben, Joe Burrow might have to be the guy to break that mold. Yeah, you know, when you look at it, I think that the Bengals, when you look at when they spent that money defensively, and they were very shrewd in kind of what they did. Like you said, they were very judicious in who they went and got when they rebuilt the defense. Uh, when you talk about guys like DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, uh, you know, Chinebe Awuzie, Eli Apple, to a certain degree. I mean, those are all guys who were not getting top of market deals. It's worked out. I think Luan Arumo deserves a ton of credit for what he was able to do with that defense last year. We'll see if they're able to replicate that this year. But then, you know, I wrote it right after the draft when we looked at what they did they drafted a lot of guys who they're not going to be dependent on to be starters or key contributors this year uh with maybe the exception of da dax hill but really next year and the year after that is when you're going to want these guys to, to slot in and really take over you know we talked about joseph osai uh, a little bit in, in the in the pre-show and I, I think that you know that's and i think that those kind of players are going to be asked to step up in 2023 and 2024 and beyond especially when you look at what they're going to have to spend on the offensive side of the ball and to win championships right now you've got to be able to have those elite playmakers and you know for the Bengals it was good that you had a lot of these guys on rookie deals but now you're going to have to pay some of these players if you're going to want to keep them and, and the Bengals are going to have a lot of tough decisions and they're going to have to wonder are they going to want to continue to spend that money on defensive players yeah I mean what's what's weird to me is that we're talking about Jesse Bates who was the best player of the defense and the defense was the driving force behind the Super Bowl run 
And I feel like you see all the players saying sign Jesse Bates, sign Jesse Bates. They know what it would take to sign him. And they're like, still sign him. They know that they're going to be up for contracts. And they're like, still sign him. So I think sometimes teams, you know, need to evaluate the value. You know, they need to consider the value of that particular player on that team. And, and even if they don't like safeties in general, right now the team you have, that defense that exceeded expectations, is driven by Jesse Bates and his ranginess. And Dax Hill doesn't have that. I mean, he might be a great playmaker in his own right. But it's just odd to me that they, that they are willing to, to let that go because of their, kind of their, their own beliefs about who's valued as what. Like what, what happened with Zeitler and, you know, and the older Andrew Whitworth and whatnot. But you mentioned Joseph Osai, Mr. Ben Baby. And Joseph Osai, as you know, has been getting a lot of attention because really it was just one preseason game where he was dominant, but it has all the fans excited. And there was a poll recently, a Twitter poll, where you know they asked fans, it was on The Athletic, obviously I didn't get a chance to read it, it's a very expensive magazine, but John was nice enough to send me a pirated a screenshot. And as you can see in the poll, Mr. Osai is I can't really see it with these glasses, but something like 43%, 48% or something, people think that he's going to make the biggest impact. More than first round pick Dax Hill. And, and look, Osai was a great prospect, but let's be honest, a lot of it is because he had like eight sacks against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the preseason game before injuring himself. And here's my thing. What I want to ask you, Mr. Baby, is do the Bengals if we were to take a poll of the Bengals coaches in front office, would it be the same thing? Do they believe in him the same way that the fans do? Because, you know, look, Trey Hendrickson is great, but let's be honest, we don't have another premier pass rusher. And, and the nature of the league right now, you kind of need one. Yeah, you know, I, I think that they, we'll see what Joseph Osai brings to the table once he's healthy. He was not able to participate in OTAs, did a lot of rehab work. But when you looked at where they drafted him and, and kind of that pop that we saw, not only in preseason games with training camp, uh, there is a lot of things to be excited about. He's a guy who is still pretty raw at that position and, and is really getting the, you know, still getting the nuance of playing defensive end or edge rusher or whatever you want to call it. But I think that there is a lot to be excited about there. And, you know, first off, I, I think that when you look at, you know, the, the numbers you presented uh, that, you know, the athletic ran in their survey poll, and I think those guys over there do a good job. Um, you know, when you look at the other rookies, you know, relative, I think there's a reason Osai was the runaway contenders because a lot of those other positions you're, you're looking at areas where they're not going to be able to rotate in as much as maybe Joseph Osai will. And you want to be able to keep guys like Trey Hendrickson and, and Sam Hubbard to a degree fresh and, and, and see what you can get. And I think Khalid Kareem is going to be a guy who, who will, you know, that'll be fall on him a little bit. We saw they drafted, you know, an edge in Zach Carter, uh, not Zach Carter, excuse me. Um, I'm trying I'm blanking right now on who they got. Yeah, thank you, Zach Gunner. Uh, so, so we'll see, uh, you know, what they're able to have at, at the end of the at that back end there. But Osai will be somebody uh, to keep an eye on. I think he is going to be exciting. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, like you said, had he not maybe done as well as he did in that first preseason game, we'd be wondering what he'd look like uh, the rest of that rookie year. But, you know, especially when you look at having to replace, you know, a guy who, who brings a lot of versatility to that scheme, I, I think he's somebody that fans should be excited about. Well, I'll tell you what else they should be excited about. It's about a rising superstar beat writer for Cincinnati Bengals, ESPN. I, 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 got, I got one last yeah. question for Ben, actually, just, just real quick. Because I, I think there are a lot of people who are very passionate about this, but maybe not so much as Ben, at least in the Bengals media community. For everyone out there who you know is a fan of ESPN and, and all the media work, can you describe, like, how the the value i guess of returning to the locker room after you know two years of covid kind of taking you out into zooms can you like describe the value of actually getting to know these players and be like a storyteller because at the end of the, at the end of the day you're telling these guys stories you're covering them from a personal stance can you describe the value of returning to in-person interviews and stuff like that compared to what you have been with zoom yeah, you know, I think it's really important whenever you're able to go in and get, you know, build relationship with players, uh, be able to tell their stories a little bit, get more context behind the numbers. You know, sometimes, you know, I remember fans will enjoy this. Uh, there, there was an offensive tackle by the name of Bobby Hart 
who was with the Bengals, uh, that name might ring a bell. No, and I no remember idea. asking, no. I remember asking Bobby about a sack, I think in the 2019 season, it looked like, you know, it might've been on tape. It was CJ Uzama or, or Drew Sample or tight ends fault. And Bobby quickly said, no, 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 that was on me. You know, it's my fault. I should have, you know, done this. It really wasn't on them. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's hard when watching film and you don't really know everything that goes on and all the assignments in a play, exactly what happened. And I think being in the locker room, we're able to get a little more context behind the numbers and, and maybe tell some stories that, that are, are different. And, and you're able to get, as a fan, a better depth of coverage and you're able to understand your team a little bit more. And I think you've got to give the Bengals some credit of being, of being one of the first teams to open the locker rooms back uh, during the OTA period and, and during the, the offseason. And hopefully, you know, with, with the way that we're the trend, the trends that are going to continue, you know, we'll get that full access back this year. And I think it's really important. And as, as much more, it makes my job a lot more fun. I think fans are going to really enjoy it as well. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Bengals keep trending upwards. This is goodbye to Mr. Ben Baby. I don't think he's ever going to have time to come back on our show. It's going to be hey, hey, listen, I just I just signed a new contract, so I'm hoping I get to stay here for a little bit longer. So it's been it's been great. I really enjoy Cincinnati and I think this will be a really fun. Team no, I meant you won't be on our show. Years. You'll be on hey, the, the big shows. I, I will always make time for y'all. Don't don't ever get Love that you. twisted. I think Love that's you, not, never going to be a question. Thank you. Well, we don't want to take any more of your time. This man was just got back from vacation. The first thing he did came on our show. And we appreciate him and love him. He actually came back early to be on our show. Yeah. That's right. I think so. I changed, I changed the flight just to be here. That is incredible. Even though it's a Zoom call. That is insane. Okay. Well, look. Thank you, Mr. Ben Baby. And we will be in touch. And we will. Yeah, there he goes. He's gone. That was fast. Okay. Look, John. Our next guest is really, I mean, this man has, I mean, he's, he's, he's a Nostradamus of our time. He has been predicting the whole Deshaun Watson situation before anybody else. And I talked about it last time, just to recap, he had a video that I saw where he's like, look, you know, he's like, look, Kraft, Bob Kraft, you know, was, was charged with solic soliciting procreation. And you had Jerry Jones, which was, you know, he was accused of asphalt, uh, sorry, assault. And go. then you had Daniel Snyder, who was, he was bullying and, you know, intimidating and hard-assing 40 employees, sorry, harassing 40 employees. And, and these people have done a lot of terrible, terrible things. And uh, we knew it was going to blow up in their faces, or he did. And they, they come out and, they, and they, they turn the whole media game against this Mr. Deshaun Watson. And, uh, and people weren't considering that, hey, the NFLPA is going to fire back, you know. And now we're seeing that. We're seeing that the suspension is probably going to be around eight games, they're saying. So I, I'm going to stop talking because I don't know what I'm talking about. But Mr. Garrett Bush, the host of the Locked on Browns podcast, is a charismatic, intelligent young man who is on top of this story. Mr. Garrett Bush, so glad to finally have you on the show. Well, well guys, uh, this is awesome, by the way. The whole Thank concept, <laughs> this is kind of fire. I'm not going to lie. Uh, this is... You know, the, the whole I, I don't I'm not going to dare to guess how much uh, it cost. You, yeah, oh, yeah, that's and I, I've priced it. I, I want a mascot myself. And uh, yeah, it was like the price. I had to take a loan out and use collateral. I was like anything with a mascot that I could use collateral. I'm not doing it. But this is awesome. Well, Garrett, like when when he got um, his new life form, like I checked my bank account. And it was like at least ten thousand dollars short. I still <laughs> yeah. don't really know where that money went, but. It's still an ongoing investigation. It, I mean, it, yeah, it play it plays out well. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing that. By the way, John was recently promoted to senior intern, and that is why he has that kind of money to throw around, and he's in his new, his new crib, as he likes to call it. But, I mean, of course, John is aspiring to be head intern, which means he could bring in his own interns, but pay them from his own salary. But, but John is our is our really our the driving force, the analyst behind the show, and as you mentioned, the mascot over there. It's actually only 50 cents from St. Vincent's de, uh, de Paul uh, charity shop. Yeah, but they got it in anticipa anticipation of the Bengals' white uniforms being revealed. But Mr. Garrett Bush, I want to talk about what you, the, the stories that really, let's be honest. When was it that that first video dropped, as the kids say? I think it was over a month ago because yeah, I it saw was, it over a month a, ago. It's yeah. about like six weeks ago now. Yeah. So, I, And to be honest with you, I wasn't even really 
I really wasn't going to do the video. Like, sometimes I get inspiration. Like, my, my goal was to be, like, a full-time YouTuber. But then I figured you had to pre create content every single day for YouTube. So that just was like, uh, that's not going to work. So basically, um, I was just sitting around, and I, I just kept hearing people say, we don't know what happened. We don't know what happened. We don't know what was going on. And so what I did is, it was like a day, and I just went. Wait, so can was, you clarify, who are these people? Sorry. Yeah, well, well basically the, the entire media. Like in oh, okay. The, okay. the local media in, in Cleveland. I, but I think they were kind of fed by the national media. So the national media is like, um, you know, the conglomerate. They say one thing, and then everybody kind of either goes along with it, or there might be a couple people that say they have conflicting stories. But generally speaking, the national media has one narrative. And so when the Browns went and got Deshaun Watson, it went from they're rejoicing, excited that, you know, he was, we were out on him. And then all of a sudden they offered him a guaranteed contract. He was like, I don't mind going to a cold Cleveland. Let's get it done. Um, so what I wanted to do was just kind of dig and go back into what really went down. And I, and I happened to find some of the depositions that some of the uh, allegations and some of the plaintiffs had and brought to the table uh, during the whole uh, grand jury situation. So he, he passed, or they, the grand jury in two separate cases decided that they didn't have enough to indict him. And we all know people say in the law spectrum, you can indict a ham sandwich, right? You can, if they want to get you, they can get you. And so as I looked and started going through some of these stories and some of the, you know, what Deshaun Watson's camp was saying in terms of some of the discrepancies, I found it alarming. Like a couple of examples is, you know, obviously one came out last week where um, the son of one of the plaintiffs just basically said, hey, my mom, she got him. She massaged uh, Deshaun Watson. She said everything was great. Wanted to work with him again, and then she found out that he was getting sued for for sexual harassment or sexual assault, and she completely changed her story. Signed up for uh, you know the whole uh, you know lawsuit, and he said he 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 was going to tell, and so she promised him a certain X amount of dollars to keep him silent. And there's a couple stories like that that are in there, but for me it started off with a situation where i wanted to go and dig into it and then from there i just kind of figured if i was going to argue this case what would i argue um and that's where it kind of came up to where we are today in some of the things that i've been doing in the videos well i just want to you know we mentioned the cases the examples of the owners and and i just want to clarify you're not saying that hey they did bad stuff so what if deshaun but you that's not what you're saying you're pointing out no. the way the media coverage and yes. so like you show the clip of Rich Eisen with Pete Holmes, I believe, the comedian. Mm -hmm. And he's laughing and laughing at his jokes about Bob Kraft doing these yep. terrible things. And it's somehow it's that, you know, locker room talk, which makes sense for presidential candidates, but it doesn't <laughs> work for most people, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I think after what, what started to happen was no matter what information came out, you would always get people that would ignore it and just keep to continue to move on. And, and in business, we call that aiming someone. It's an acronym that stands for acknowledge um, what they're saying, inform them, right? And then move on, right? And right. Or some people say knowledge, ignore what they're saying and then continue to move on like nothing happened. So we kept getting this new information or there were certain things out there in the public sphere where people just would just disregard it and say, well, you know, it's the owners. It's the owners. Uh, they always get away with it, G. Bush, and, and that's just what's going right. to happen. And I'm like, well, no. See, a collective bargaining agreement is a contract between two people. It's not that we're arguing hypocrisy. We're saying you are in breach of contract because one person who the owners are, are actually listed in the conduct policy, the owners are held to a higher standard in the language of the collective bargaining agreement. So when you don't so when you don't give anything to Kraft or Schneider or whatever, yes, it's, it's hypocrisy. But I like to get down to the facts, and I'm just getting to what what you know union laws are, are, and everything are. But what I had to do in the last one in the videos you're referring to was, you, sometimes you have to show people exactly the juxtaposition of of the way they carry certain things. So yeah. in the clip, Rich Eisen, it's very is, very Noam Chomsky of you, sir. I don't yeah. know if you know, but that's what he does. He points out. The way the media coverage covers this, you know, idea as you know, representing it as this kind of violence, and he's like, well, what if it was our country doing it? They would frame it this way. And yes. The, 
Yeah. Sorry, uh, go ahead. Kind of like if 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 January 6th happened and just switch the race of the individuals and say there was um, Sunni or Shia Muslims that stormed the Capitol. Man, we <laughs> that would be, oh, we, we'd have an issue with that. We, we'd be on the first boat to kind of doing stuff. But when it's certain groups of people, we just we're used to just sweeping it under the rug. And, so, and, and yeah, and like yeah, go ahead with the with the Rich Eisen thing. I just want to con uh, complete that. So you you showed how lighthearted the segment was about Bob Kraft, and then you showed how he gets very self righteous when it comes to Deshaun. Now, let's get something straight. Deshaun Watson, the number of accusers is much higher. That's very clear. That's clear. But but I mean, they're both terrible things that they're being accused of. And 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 I think in the case of you know Bob Kraft, there's video and there's a lot there, and he kind of played the legal game uh, really well. Um, but I don't think that if you were to ask Rich Eisen, you know, really, you know, really push him on this, I don't think he's going to say what Bob Kraft did was okay. But in that moment, he was kind of, he went back to being a comedian yes. host, you know, and, and that's that says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he probably would look at it now and say, by no way, shape, or form am I condoning what Deshaun Watson did. And I always say the same thing too. Deshaun Watson put himself in a horrible position. If my mom was talking to me, and she said, listen, did you create a crime or did, are you going to go to jail? No, but that was the dumbest thing you've ever done. And I didn't raise you that way. So you're going to have to deal with a certain level of consequences, because when you put yourself in that circumstance, you leave your life, livelihood, your reputation in people's uh, hands. And you, you can't do that. So I'm not condoning what he's doing. I'm talking about it from a a legal perspective as an analyst and as also as a media individual who wants to find the truth. So when Rich Eisen is laughing and joking and he asks a question and I thought it was the smoking gun, he says, you know, do you guys really care? Yeah, who really cares, right? Like, you know, and three people are like, oh, we don't really care. And I'm like, he just said that. Now, mind you, he, this is on like national TV. He's like, hey, you're the, I mean, he's the owner. You know, what, what is he going to do? Just go out, go to a brothel in like Las Vegas or something and get it over with. Come on, bro. What are you doing? So the tone was completely different. And when they talked about Deshaun Watson, there was this level of indignant, like he was offended. He said, not only if zero games are on the table, you will hear it from this chair. And not only is it an embarrassment for Deshaun Watson, it's an embarrassment for every player in the league. I was like, well, who is this guy? What came and just just took over Rich Eisen's body? Like I'm like, look yeah. at here. A little bit of performativeness there, yeah. When you show people that, they really react because it's right in your face. You can't just ignore it. You have to accept that, yeah, this is probably a double standard, and it's probably kind of sleazy a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know we haven't let John talk. But that's okay. He's just an intern. No, I'm just joking. Actually, John's the smartest person on the show. He's the only <laughs> reason we have a sports show. Otherwise, it'd just be it'd just be craziness. But I want to let John talk. But real quick, I just want to say that we after we talk about well, let's see what John wants to talk about. But then I want to just talk about. It looks like you were right, and it's going to be I think about eight games is what they're saying. That's and the I rumor. Just wanna... We have no idea to be honest okay. with you. It's, it's from like two games to, I mean, obviously the NFL is pushing for 17. It's going to come down to Sue Robinson, the judge, and the arbiter in this case. And that's just kind of my takeaway right now. Like, yeah, there's a report that it could be anywhere between two or eight because of, of what happened with the owners and the fact that they're holding to a higher standard and they didn't, their, their punishment didn't even come close to being an indefinite suspension. And then, then you have the Calvin Ridley situation where he was betting what fifteen sixteen hundred dollars on games and he has an indefinite suspension it's a lot of moving parts that are all around here i know that a lot of fans in general and this goes beyond just browns fans but a lot of fans in general didn't like the fact that you know goodell had just infinite power in his seat as like judge jury and executioner and there was a lot of inconsistencies and discrepancies with the punishments that he dished out for you know really abhorrent crimes that you know had unfortunately like, a lot more evidence compared to what what, what deshaun watson underwent um i think um, to, to 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 Garrett's point, though, from like another perspective, it, it does seem like the the size or the number of, of accusations and allegations coming out against Watson kind of pushes the case to somewhat of a new territory. And I, I definitely agree that the the way that 
the, you know, the media has covered it compared to what, what Kraft did and what, what's going on with Dan Snyder. Like, I mean, no one sees through that at all. He's, he's hiding away in Israel right now you know, to, to get away from a subpoena. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that the media could have done a better job, and there's a lot of underlying things that kind of go with that. It's just a really... It's just a really bad situation, but I definitely appreciate you know Garrett's perspective on how the media has has kind of covered it, and you know, you know, from a Browns perspective, you know, this kind of was thrusted on you guys on the podcast on the fan base to how to how to deal with this, and I don't really, I, I don't like blame or judge Browns fans for however they feel. Like if, if Browns fans you know want to completely get off the ship for what's going on, I completely understand that. But you know, it's fandom at the end of the day, and you and you like your team, and and you're and you're going to kind of work through it the way that you want to. And I appreciate Garrett's perspective on it. Yeah. Well, I just want to ask. Yeah, Garrett. Well, uh, sorry, you were saying, but I just real quick. The next stage is, of course, you get them on the field, but Cleveland fans are upset that their team did something like this, and we know Deshaun Watson. When he gets on the field, he's going to be better than anything they've seen at quarterback, maybe ever, and for a long time. He's very, very talented, very gifted quarterback, and not just gifted in the physical sense, but he's a smart leader, and, you know, he, he did it in college. He, he you know, was, was proven. And uh, they put a good team around him, something he didn't really have in Houston. So he can probably do the off offensive production parts, but, you know, how long will it take the fan base to buy into it? Well, I, I think there's two, there's two things that complicate it a little bit. Um, one, Baker Mayfield um, really has a huge following. It, you know, I would say at some point in time, everybody that is a Cleveland Browns fan thought Baker Mayfield would be the next primetime franchise quarterback, especially when he breaks Pam, Peyton Manning's um, touchdown record and he's he's a rookie and he didn't even start the first few games so we all saw the characteristics and, and some of the talent that he had unfortunately over the four years he was wildly inconsistent um, when he's at his best he can be a, a borderline top 10 quarterback maybe somewhere from 9 to 12 in that pack but his 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 floor is just it's rock bottom I mean if he's playing bad you're looking at a guy that's you know bottom third, 25, 26 in terms of accuracy, quarterback rating, and just making, you know, big-time plays. But there's a lot of people who were already upset about Baker. And now you're going to go get another quarterback, right? You get rid of Baker, and then on top of it, you give him the biggest guaranteed contract ever, right? So it's almost insult to injury. And, and you called Baker a child for playing video games. Yeah. And yeah. He, they called, they said we wanted a daughter in the room. Like, yeah. I was just like, okay. Well, you know, we had, we had a similar situation in Cincinnati, by the way. Andy Dawson was very beloved. He broke touchdown records. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was, I mean, compared to Carson Palmer, a very crybaby, you know, weak kind of um, you just brought this despicable human slider. being okay yeah and uh, compared to Carson Palmer I mean this guy comes in as a rookie takes the same team that Carson Palmer failed with takes him five straight playoff games they're like this guy <clears throat> yeah he's not a superstar but you know he he's we're lucky to have him uh, it, but his rock bottom was was woo with that was bad worse than Baker's I, I yeah. agree with that totally and, agree and then and then Joe Burrow comes along and Joe, Joe Burrow of course has no legal issues or nothing I mean this guy's a, a saint but, you know, Joe Burrow comes along, and I don't think, I, I mean, Andy Dalton, they're like, who? You know, it's just, they're done with him. Yeah. Hey, you know what? This is ironic you bring up um, Joe Burrow. Because Joe Burrow is probably 60% of why the Cleveland Browns got rid of um, Baker Mayfield and got Deshaun Watson. And I'll explain. For so many years when you deal with bad organizations, um, you know, we give you these cliches and, and different things as to why they're terrible, right? Um, offensive line, no continuity, can't do this. We got to have the same people. We got to have five All-American, uh, top blue chip people. We need a pass rusher. We need lockdown court. You need all this stuff. But what Joe Burrow did was he changed your perception in the way how football teams are built, constructed, and, and exactly what kind of guy you have to have and how good that person could be to take you to do heights. I mean, when Joe Burrow comes in, he's coming off of ACL. The coach, it looks like he's on the hot seat. He's going to get fired. And they go draft Jamar Chase instead of drafting Sewell to tackle whoever everybody thought that was the great thing to do. They go get his buddy, Jamar Chase, 
And in two years, that man took the Cincinnati Bengals, who had a high pick. I mean, they're drafted in the top ten the previous two years, and they go to the Super Bowl. With, with, that, the, with the worst offensive line in football, maybe. Worst. Yeah. And rookie, rookies playing impact, impact snaps. And what happened was Jimmy and D. Haslam and all the other owners were put on notice. Is that that's what a quarterback looks like. And if you want to be able to compete with said quarterback of the Mahomes, of the Allens, of the Herbers, uh, heck, heck, you even got Denver right now going with Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. All these guys are extremely talented. And if you want to be able to compete with them, you have to have a guy like Joe Burrow. And we didn't have that guy. So they moved heaven and earth to go get Deshaun Watson, regardless of the, you know, anything that went on. You know what's actually hilarious, Garrett? I, I think Baker Mayfield is one of the biggest reasons why the Bengals ended up moving on from Andy Dalton. <laughs> because Baker was absolutely torching the Bengals in his first two years. And Mike Brown hates nothing more than when the Browns dominate the Bengals because of the whole history with that franchise. It's crazy that the Browns go 0-16 or whatever. They get the first overall pick. They take Baker Mayfield. And then the entire course of Ohio football changes forever. Well, there's, there's, well, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the, the recent episode of Conspiracy Now on Brinks.TV, but there's actually a conspiracy, John, I'm sure you've heard, that the guaranteed money they gave Deshaun Watson was so the Bengals would be in a precarious position with, with Joe Burrow down the road because, you know, they know that, that Mike Brown doesn't have money. It's definitely a theory. Yeah. I, I, I think it's more, more fact than theory, if you ask well, me. Well, uh, I, it, I think Courtney does too, but yeah. It, if you tell me, and, and I had this wild, it isn't even wild. I, I, I think that one theory is Deshaun Watson is not being suspended based on allegations or anything like that. The reason why Deshaun Watson is being suspended is punishment to Jimmy Haslam and the Browns for going to get him and then blowing up the structure. See, the league is like almost like a, an Italian mob family, syndicates, right? You can't just make, if you're a made man and you're ahead of your family, you still can't just make any moves. You got to go to the rest of the people. You got to go to the rest of the council to get permission to whack somebody or get permission to start moving drugs and guns. No, you got to get the buy-in. And when Jimmy Haslam went and said, oh, Browns are out of the running for Deshaun Watson? How's, I bet you won't be now. Let me give you a guaranteed contract. And what that did, every other owner was like, now, you know good and well we don't do that. Our job is to keep labor costs low. And then you look at directly after that, look at what happens with, with the um, Baltimore Ravens. All of a sudden, they don't, they don't want to give Lamar Jackson the money. They going, they're like, well, it's an impasse, right? You look at the, you know, teams like the Bengals, whose owners, that's their business. Some owners are billionaires because they got other things going, and, and that funds their little projects over here. But certain owners... Money kind of tight. And if you're going to have to pay somebody, they have to have that money in escrow. That isn't an account you can't even touch. So they're like, now I'm going to have to start doing, putting that money aside, 200 to some odd million dollars aside, and I still got to run my life in, in team. The owners are not pleased by that. Wow. I, I think after this, Courtney's going to ask you, come on, conspiracy now, because that was amazing. I, I mean, I believe it. I don't want to call it, I, you know, the word conspiracy has a negative connotation, but I believe yes. everything that Garrett says. Man is very convincing, very articulate. Well, you know, sometimes I, I look at it more than meets the eye. Like, I try to dig deep and kind of think outside the box, and to me, it makes sense. Maybe the yeah. NFL already knows. It's already baked in the cake. They knew exactly what happened, but when the deal happened, they went to you know, Roger Gale went to the both top, both people, the Texans, went to G, uh, Jimmy and D. Haslam and said, look, all right, the deal is done. So here's what we're going to have to do. Um, we have to look like we're strong on this. So we're going to present a year and indefinite, and we're going to stay st steadfast to that. However, behind closed doors, they've already negotiated what the suspension is. Everybody knows what it is. They just have to look like they care in order to keep everybody on both sides happy. Wow. Well, I would tell you this, Mr. Garrett Bush. I, I understand that from a business perspective, if we're being honest, because I want our fans to look like they care by becoming patrons on patreon.com slash Sports. Because really, really, I mean, 
John's bank account is missing thousands of dollars, and you know, we can't even get our other co-hosts back in the room. We have two more co-hosts, Mr. Bush. They, they, they won't come back on the show. They're on, you know, vacation. Are, 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 they, are they working from home and they're doing this in the five-minute breaks between, like, when they're, they're having, like, little coffee breaks and they're just jumping on or, you know, they're just hanging out? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what countries they're in anymore. I mean, I'm serious. I really don't. What weddings they're attending. You know, I think, I think Dr. Hoji was at Joe, Joy Bahar's wedding, I think, this past weekend in New York City, and, and I haven't heard from him since. He has a lot of friends in Hollywood. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you know that it all comes down to funding these kind of shows. You say, you know, you do a podcast every single day. We do one once a week. And a lot of people can go to window.app slash Sports as well, where they can get voice messages. And, and John, you know, with that beautiful voice of his, will send them little, little, little messages to put them to sleep or to kind of kind of help them spice up their lives a little bit or maybe that is you know, awesome. get them motivated. Yeah. And so John can now send those voice messages. And uh, yeah, we've been getting a lot of love from fans and we want them to leave comments here on YouTube and, and go to the number one Bengals podcast and subscribe. And even on Twitter, I don't know if we can pull up the picture, but I had the fan kind of show our show a lot of love on Twitter. And I recognize the name as being very prominent. Do we have that picture we can pull up? I think Courtney, yeah. And you can see there, very, you know, very prominent political figure saying, I mean, it's, you know, saying you're a cute baby. I, I don't know what that means, but I mean, I, I just know that we're make, we've made it. That's all I know from that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, if you listening out there, hey, make sure you go out and check out, find them on Patreon. Make sure you hit like, hit subscribe button. Make sure you download the podcast. I'll tell you what. This is the new wave. Like, you know, I came from a guy, I got in the radio business, and I started by answering phones and worked my way up to being uh, board up and then producing and then do the Browns Radio Network stuff and then finally got to do my own show, you know what I'm saying, on radio. But what I feel, um, it, it, and I look at it now, the new wave is this. This is the new format. I think a lot of the other medias are behind, especially radio. Um, if, if you're a young person, and you want to get into the game, this is where the best content is at. Absolutely. And, and look no further, because every every former athlete, every actor, everybody got a podcast now. And, the, and most of them are on Believe, by the way. Our podcast network, the Believe Podcast Network, a lot of former athletes. But, yeah, I agree to your point. I mean, you know, these, these ESPN shows, well, I mean, of course, we love Ben Baby. He's amazing. But these guys have all these writers and producers and, like, 50 people doing the job. Here it's one person. It's John Sheeran. He does all the research. He does uh, all the, and we have a nine-year-old intern who does the, uh, the, the, the subtopics. And that's it, you know, it was very, very low budget. But yeah, so thank you, Gerrit. Please uh, stick around, but we have to wrap this up. Uh, but yeah, so for Gerrit, the truth, Bush, and John, Dali Parton Shire, and Daddy Mustache McTook. Don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends, and uh, yeah, leave a comment. We'll see you next time. So long. Esviti. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.